0: When I hear the word slay, you want to know who comes to mind? Rochelle Hemingway. Y'all have got to check her out. Try to keep up. Slay! Slay!
1: You know how the slay queen does it. Doing it big, y'all. It's go big or go home.
0: So as you saw in the intro, this episode is with my good friend and mentor, Rochelle Hemingway, who runs hashtag Slay to Success, And she is known for transforming the lives of people without sacrificing health, career, relationships, or happiness. And at various times in her military career, she neglected to take care of herself, stayed stagnant in promotion, and did everything on her own. Over time, she realized she needed to shift her mindset and her actions if she wanted things to change and when she finally did she created the career she desired and deserved but here's the deal y'all as she was climbing up that promotion ladder she noticed there was an unrepresentation of women in executive leadership roles she also encountered many unique challenges and learned how to overcome and push through numerous amounts of barriers All right, y'all. We talk all about Rochelle's book, Slay. And if you haven't caught on Slay, it's kind of the driving theme here, y'all. Check it out. S stands for stay ready to be ready. That's right, this is an acronym. The L stands for lead out loud. The A stands for a sense of family. And the Y stands for you are built to last. Are you ready to hashtag Slay to your success? I was ready and I sat down with Rochelle and we went throughout her whole book, her whole life story, all of the lessons learned, and how she became the kick-ass leader and woman that she is today. How did she do it? There were so many barriers, so many things holding her back, and yet she exceeded all expectations and reached a height that most people never see. And in this episode, we're going to find out exactly how Rochelle did that. okay well hey i want to show you what book i've been reading let me know okay. if you've ever heard of it
1: <laughs> oh yeah i have actually <laughs> she looks so
0: familiar doesn't right. she right <laughs> <Jeez
1: Louise. laughs>
0: <laughs> no i i've read the whole book front to back and i usually i have like attention issues so like typically i do better with audiobooks because i can like drive or go for a run But every so often, I really do just like the book. You know what I mean? I just like reading through the book, Um, especially if I know the person. Then it makes it extra special to me.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So the last two books I read the physical copy of was Todd Simmons and then also your book. Yes. And I was just going back through the beginning because, you know, I got to the end um, and I wanted to remind myself of the beginning again. So I was kind of just going back through the beginning. And. I got to say, this thing is just filled with so many incredible stories, so many just memorable quotes. And it's just one of the most inspiring, amazing stories I've ever read. I really, truly loved and enjoyed this book. I took it with me on my TDY to eMeds. I had it laid out. I was like, what are you reading? What is that? I was like, I slay, we slay. They're like, what?
1: Like, who is this crazy person here? What is he
0: talking about? Right. But uh, I I love the book. I have it laid out too in my office. I keep I have like this little end table um with some of my favorite books, and I have it laid out there too. So anyone who comes in uh will see this book. Yeah, thank you. Yes, and thank you for I I have a collection of veteran signed books, uh veteran-authored books, and I, I probably have about 20 of them now. And yours is definitely one of my favorites. Oh. So thank you so much for personalizing it for me.
1: You're absolutely welcome. Um, it's all I wore just,
0: out. See, look at this.
1: I know. Like I've been talking to some other people. They're like, this is just crazy. That's like, how did you even get to that point? I'm like, I don't even know. I just pushed the button and just said publish. I don't. <laughs> I, don't even know.
0: I know how you did it. You did it with discipline which is in your book. So like, I love the beginning of the book is like your upbringing and your career, your parents, your husband, your child, all the things that like give you purpose and just fill you with life. You know what I mean? And then the middle of the book goes into hashtag slay, right? And kind of just like how you got to where, like the mindset that you've developed, the lessons that you've learned tied into this acronym slay and then at the end of the book it's just all inspiration it's just hits every line is just hitting boom 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 by the end of that book i was doing push-ups i didn't even know how i got there i was like how am i why am i doing push-ups right now i don't know i just just got me so fired up um and then the quotes you picked too from like other people were like You know, you start to see a lot of the same quotes sometimes. You know yep. what I mean? And yep. then on yours, a lot of them, like, I just never heard of. And I just, they were just so spot on to, like, what you were trying to describe. So, like, a lot of the the other quotes, I, you you threw in some John C. Maxwell in there, which is, like, the OG, you the know. OG. <laughs> right. He is the OG. He's, like, everyone's, <laughs> like, family member at this point. He feels like <laughs> he's my grandpa or something. Um, but... <laughs> you threw in the og which he that guy i I forgot like how like sharp that guy was until like you reminded me and you put some of his his work in there and i was like dang john c maxwell was the man
1: he is i mean he still is he gets on stages and you know i haven't seen him personally but like on facebook and linkedin you know when he's speaking you know, he's much, a little bit older. I wouldn't say much older, but he's older. And, you know, sometimes it isn't as in your face like he probably was when he was younger, but it's still there. It The content is is everlasting. It, it'll never change. Leadership is leadership. And so he just, you know, defines it very well where it is forever. It's evergreen, you know? So right. anyone can use it for centuries and centuries on be you know, beyond him when he, you know, goes to his heavenly home, it's, it's just, he's just a great man. He's just a great man.
0: He is. And he is developing tons of people. Like a lot of his his initiative is like building a kind of passing on his legacy. It seems like. So yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's awesome. So, uh, love the book. Um, but going into our conversation here, um, I usually start off with three random questions. Well, they're not really random. Uh, I I have three easy questions in the beginning, called the hero's gauntlet, and then at the end of our conversation, we're gonna end with three a little bit more personal questions that are a little more a little more thought out. So we'll start with the three easier ones. Okay.
1: Okay.
0: I think I know the answer to this, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, First question is, who would play you in a movie?
1: Um, I have probably several people. I think. Um. are you, you meaning famous people or yes any famous randoms?
0: famous people
1: oh okoye oh i don't know her name for like i do know her name but i don't like if you say it then i'll i'll know it's her
0: that's in but the she, back
1: it's it but her name her real name i don't know if i put it in there um
0: okoye yeah she's on your coin right
1: yeah she is a marvel character yes
0: there's you looking like a superhero.
1: Yeah. She uh, <laughs> she played in uh, Wakanda forever in the movie. She's the a, she's a badass that goes out there and takes her board and starts slaying everything. And uh, I think that she would probably, we favor each other. I don't know if we're like exactly alike or anything, but we favor each other in a lot of different ways. So perhaps she would.
0: And that's like your alter ego, right? Like when you're trying to tap into that that different mindset where you're trying to oh like, yeah when you're trying to do something that even you think's impossible, you kind of have to yeah freak yourself into going for it, right?
1: Yeah. She's my inner muse. You know, I think everybody has an inner muse. And I know you like your eyebrows kind of like, what is that? Well, you know, a muse is really that person inside of you that tells you to pay attention to them, to tells them to, you know, to feed them. It's that creativity that you have inside of you, perhaps, you know, the, the fear that you have, but it, it, it allows you to unleash and, you know, conquer that. Um, so I do a lot of in, inner work reflection and she is one of those persons that I typically draw from. Cause it's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> You are not mediocre here. All right. You got to get up and you got to start moving. All right. And you've got to, you know, get into those things that you really wanted to do. You have a lot more to do. So um, I think everybody has a muse. Um, They probably haven't defined it per se by a character, but they have something that is deep down in their gut that always kind of, you know, tugs at them when they say that they need to go and do something. Like that intuition, like just mm. you know when it's time for you to go and do something, you know it's time for you to have a conversation, you know it's time for you to go out there and and uh you have to trust the muse,
0: definitely, you know who uh I would pick for to play me who's that Tom Cruise
1: <laughs> of course, like well, why didn't I guess that? I still
0: love Tom Cruise, I know he got weird, but I still love the guy, <laughs> Uh okay, so. <laughs> Question number two, what's one lesson that you learned from a great leader and one lesson that you learned from a poor leader?
1: One lesson that I learned from a great leader was the tough mind, tender heart concept. So I had a, a sergeant, well, he's an army sergeant, sergeant first class smith. I talk about him, I think a little bit in my book we were deployed together in Vietnam and uh, he was a team lead. He was tough, like as nails. And we were out living in the jungle. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that, that you have to have anyway, because there's a lot of danger in the jungles. And he protected us and made sure that we had what we need to survive because we were in survival mode. But at the same time, he was very open, transparent, um, knew how to help you when you needed it, like really help you, like sit down and talk you through, talk you out of fears, talk you out of, you know, uh, giving giving in to some of the things that, you know, your mindset has at times to tell you, well, you know what? You can just call somebody, tell you to like, Come get a helicopter and come out of here right he really he really um taught me a lot during those three months we were all together um, but I think it's important as leaders to you know have that tough mind of you know the accountability piece the standards, you know all those different pieces as a leader, but at the same time be able to be loving and nurturing and empathetic um. He, he taught me a lot about that.
0: Definitely, like, kind of giving you that, like, security um, and, and kind of setting the tone, making you feel safe, but also respecting him. But when you needed the other side, he was able to produce that other side for
1: you. Absolutely. And you can even tell, I mean, his exterior was stone face at times. You know, very, wow. just not, there was no, you know, emotionals coming out of his face stone cold hard but when we sat down and talked to him at the end of the day or the beginning day he was just i mean just that was just the way he held his face he wasn't that type of person
0: right i think i'm like the opposite we're like i'm like really nice and friendly but then and i'll earn your respect and trust that way and be transparent and be caring but then when when the time gets tough and i need to get serious and i need you to get serious you're gonna respect me and trust me enough to flip the switch with me. So, yeah, I've, I
1: to And what if you're it's saying, working, you right. know, then right. you know that's that's good because you know everybody has to know what their style is and um, be comfortable with your style. And if it's effective, and you know, definitely, that's, that's that's your thing.
0: Absolutely. So, what was a a lesson you learned from a poor leader?
1: Oh my goodness! Whew. Um. <laughs> I got so many.
0: (laughs) Like, where do I begin? How much time do I begin?
1: Right. Uh, I'll tell you, I guess, the number one on top of the list. Um, You know how people just tell you what to do and they don't show you how to do it and they just leave you struggling?
0: Yeah, I feel like they don't know how to do it at that point. (laughs)
1: Exactly. You know?
0: Like, you're trying to get me to figure it out because you don't know what you're doing.
1: Right. (laughs) You know? (laughs) This, I had one supervisor who just gave me this hardest task. It was, a con, you know, developing a c- contingency plan for when the lights went out in the facility. Now, I was a senior airman.
0: Like a come out plan for calm like- Come
1: out plan, All right. Now, I got the binder and I'm, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what it all means. This supervisor, and to me to remain nameless, didn't tell me anything this gave me the binder said figure it out and then when of course i wasn't working on it because i didn't know what i was doing um they ended up getting really upset you know and i tried mm. to explain to my to, you know explain myself and try to explain to them but i don't even know what i'm supposed to be doing You're like
0: i i put you put down like call nine one one. i don't know you- just call ce i don't
1: can you please help me, you know, right. and she, you know, th- they still didn't, they still didn't. Um, and so I lost a lot of credibility um, with her. I um, lost trust in her. Um, I, I didn't communicate with her at all. In fact, she was two supervisors up. So I had my supervisor and there she was the next supervisor. I just stuck to my supervisor. Um, and it just, it was never a, a relationship. We never really had a relationship after that. Um, but I saw that, you know, w- even when your airman is asking for help and you don't want to help, <laughs> that just spoke a lot to me. <laughs> I just shook my head. Said, okay.
0: Right. It's like, what? why are you here Like at that point? <laughs> right. like, you-
1: exactly.
0: If you're not helping me, then what are you doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, you know, co- you know, as I progressed, I'm sure there was a lot of things that she was dealing with that I had no purview to, and it right. was, it was what it was. That's what I'm going to chalk it up to. <laughs> so I don't know.
0: <laughs> there probably is more to the story.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> okay. Last question before we get to learn about you and your upbringing and your career, what was your proudest air force moment?
1: Oh man. I had so many all of my proud moments centered around people who like the wear the underdog.
0: I love and that.
1: I do too. I mean, it's so like you could see it, you know, in front of your eyes, how they are digging themselves out of the hole, you know, and they're really trying their best to overcome, like, you know, perhaps a promotion, Where you know they got passed over, or they got administrative action from some, you know, um, thing that they were, you know, were being held accountable for, and then over months at a time, you could see them grow and start maturing, and um, those those are my proud moments. I've got a box full of proud moments. Every letter, every email, every text message if I could go and print it off I printed them out all my little note cards of people who just said thank you I you know or just told me guess what happened you know those are my proud moments um it's like you're the uh, like I'm the, the mom maybe you know and, and the children are doing really well you know it's kind right. of like that kind of it's not you know it's that kind of analogy with, knowing that they're all grown up. But those are those are things that I think people undervalue um, because, it, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot out of somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to dust myself off and I'm going to try again.
0: Right. You know, absolutely. I love that. And part of why I started, like, this podcast was for individuals just like that, you know, either they had a misstep or wasn't quite sure like what they were capable of. And then you kind of see them come out their shell or, you know, you have that person who is incredibly talented. That's carrying the organization in a way that nobody even picks up on or recognizes because they're not blasting it in your face or putting it out there.
1: Exactly.
0: And then you say, wait a minute, you're doing all that. This is incredible. Like, does anyone know this? Right. Oh, no, it's, you know, those are the people that I try to highlight the most because they just don't know how to articulate or care to. Uh, And then when you see them get recognized, you see them come out their shell, you see how thankful people are for them. Like those are really beautiful moments. Had one today. Really? Yes. Had one today. Um, A lot of the COVID uh, airmen that I had, they never got properly recognized and they kind of just went back to their duty sections. Um, And so the CE uh, commander was, is a, a friend of mine and was really appreciative of them. And so I, I held the surprise like Chick-fil-A lunch today. So we all got together and then he came in and coined them all as a surprise. Aww. Yeah. And it was That's really, awesome. it was really amazing uh, moment. So got, luckily got to have one myself today.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. You got to cherish those, cherish those moments, you know?
0: Absolutely. All right. I can't believe I'm talking to the command chief retired Rochelle Hemingway right now it's blowing my mind and you know we were stationed together at one point when I was reviewing or read your book and and looking at your biography do I look familiar to you at all because you did always look familiar to me um but you know you have a contagious smile so I I just chalked it up to I've probably seen you in an article or a TDY and I've just seen you you know what I mean like you just have one of those presents that someone's going to meet you once they're never going to forget you You know what I mean? Yeah. We just have that vibe. (laughs) So I just chalked it up to, you know, I probably saw her at like AFA or something, you know, that's why she looks so familiar. Yeah. But looking at like your record, we -hmm. were both at Luke air force base at that med group at the same exact time. Mm -hmm. I was in public health. we were in different squadrons.
1: Oh yeah. I remember you. You remember me. Yeah. Cause I was leaving, I think as you were coming in. So, because I used to go down to public health a lot. um, um, I'm trying to think of some names, but anywho, they'll come to my top of my head. Um, But I used to go in there a lot of times because I was the MDOS at the time, superintendent. And then I was a med group superintendent when I came back from a deployment. And uh, you're probably, that's probably where we, met probably for very brief time
0: definitely I was uh I was new to the career field I retrained out of maintenance so that was my first medical so I was was pretty shy you know I was uh just trying to to learn the job and and so I wasn't like I hadn't come out of my show yet you know what I mean I was still like just doing the job and and getting to know people in my office and (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like I was I was uh very naive. And so a lot of people that, you know, I, I recognize from Luke, they're like, who are you? Cause like, I didn't say anything like, <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: That is not typical for a maintainer. Now you know this, right?
0: You're right. But like, so... I also knew it was a different culture. So I had to, to, yeah, well, it is. I had to observe, you know what I mean? I had, mm-hmm. I was more in a observational part of my life where I was just taking things in. Yeah. Uh, Versus just putting everything out there. So. Right. But I loved Arizona. I loved the hiking. Me me and my wife, we just hiked and traveled everywhere as a new a newlywed couple.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it
0: was just a a beautiful time like for in our life where we spent four years just being a couple and just having fun, you know?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was grinding, hustling and (laughs) slaying.
0: You were slaying. I mean, my God, getting your Beyonce on, just slaying, just right. killing it every day, in and out,
1: every day, it's
0: unreal. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just, you know, in force health. You're in
1: the yeah. You're in hiking hills, having a good old time. Yeah,
0: I'm in. I'm in Camelback Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Hiking, drinking, drinking water, staying hydrated. All
1: right. Okay. I'm on the base working.
0: <laughs> okay, so I want to hear all about you know your upbringing you know, just a recap of your childhood. I know your parents are incredible people. Um, Your husband's a freaking rock star. Your kids are rock star. You didn't even think you were going to have kids, your career. You're just all over the place. You're in Vietnam. You're getting deployed. I mean, you're just, you're everywhere and nowhere. It's like,
1: I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how my career,
0: (laughs) your career was um, just incredible, incredible looking for Missing in action, uh, like POWs that passed away in Vietnam. Trying to find the remains. Trying to identify people. You know, you were an IDMT. You just, you just had an incredible career, um, command chief. When there was like a all female command chiefs in Global Strike, y'all were. That was the sleigh team deuces. right
1: there. we were like deuces up up <laughs> in here. I was so shocked because when one of the first um, conferences that we went to and i saw all of us you know we were just in the bathroom okay huddling up and we're just looking at each other going what
0: it's like a dream come true (laughs) It's,
1: it's a stack stack on stack you know and every base you know every other base had a female command chief in the seat which you know was very helpful um for many of us because you know, it's not saying that our male counterparts, you know, because I learned a lot from some, you know, some of the best supervisors were males, but when you could have females that are in the seat as command chiefs and to really share and be vulnerable about wearing all the hats, you know, because more than likely, you know, we're going home, we got a family, you know, like it's it's this ongoing, you know, conversation we have on got to take care of ourselves out here y'all we can't be breaking down you know so we we really held each other's hands right, throughout right. the whole time it was it was awesome
0: that's amazing yeah i work for chief melvina um, smith and yeah uh, katie mccool i work for both of them oh yeah so i'm familiar yeah. with both of them and Love i saw the I'm global strike is. female team just freaking slaying and killing it every day yeah, every and day. i was and i was right there behind him like yeah let's go <laughs> mm. Mess with my command chief.
1: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Ooh, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's hear about you. Let's hear about your upbringing.
1: Well, um, so my dad was in the military for 23 years, and um, he was stationed, you know, different places. And some of my memorable times were being stationed in Plattsburgh, New York, I think they closed that base down. And Portugal, um, that was that was a great place to be. Um, North Carolina, Colorado. I mean, he he had his share of assignments. So he he decided to go back to Indiana. My mom is from Garrett, Indiana. It's a very small town in Indiana. And because traveling all over the place, she wanted to stay in Indiana. So they decided. For all of us to stay in Indiana, I was going into the eighth grade at that time. So I went from eighth grade to, of course, graduated and went one year of college. There was two other, um, three other siblings, two sisters and a brother, and uh, you know, I never really had. I think a lot of kids back in that day, though, I don't know. We couldn't be watching TV and carrying on and this and that. We were doing chores. We were doing homework. We were, we were very disciplined children. <laughs> I would say that. We didn't stay up late. We went, we got up early. Um, and so it this routine, you know, they had us in this routine, very established routine. Um, and so when I decided to come in the military, it was like, what? You? you know yeah. i struggled with my weight you know i talk about that in my book
0: i saw that um, that sh- that shocked me cuz you're really? like yeah cuz you're like beast mode so like <laughs> i i could not picture you like overweight cuz like you know cuz you've even led exercise classes and stuff so it's yeah. like it's hard to imagine that
1: well i think a lot of times when we're in an environment where you know you're wanting to please you know a lot of things were you know, have more food, you can eat, eat seconds, we have plenty, right, and it was a, it was a show that you love the food, you love your parents, so just kind of did it, and so I, my weight crept up really quickly, um, and then when I got to 200 pounds, when I was a junior in high school, and they said it out loud, and while we were getting our uniform-sized
0: Oh, wow. And I got
1: on a scale and it was everyone in the room, all my high school friends, 200 pounds. Jeez. Okay. And everyone else is weighing like, you know, 100 pounds here, 120 pounds there. Right. It was the most embarrassing and kind of like, you know, deflating. Yeah, That's horrible. It It would never
0: get away with that today. Like, no, you could
1: no ever. Right. And so I, I decided I needed to do something about it, but I wasn't really intentional, intentional. I just started working and the weight came off. And when I came in, I came in my, my maximum allowable weight. So when I got Mm -hmm. in, I really struggled a little bit with my weight, but was managing to try to, you know, keep it, under so that way I didn't have to be in the weight management program even though I ended up there anyway but anyway um but I got into the military and my dad um he was he said you're not gonna make it he said I, I'll oh. give you about about two or three years you'll be back
0: oh that's mm, <laughs> that's where he messed up
1: yeah he messed up because I was like really Are we really but okay, it's a challenge, right? And so, you know, get into the military and really found out that I was taking on half and half of my parents' careers. My dad was in the military. My mom, she still is a respiratory therapist. She still practices as a respiratory oh, wow. therapist. Wow. She's she's 70 years old and still um, pulling 12-hour shifts. And Jeez. she pulled them dur- during COVID. So, She's the queen bee. Sounds and, like it. Uh, so I took half an hour, came in as medic and uh, came in guaranteed job. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't really know what the military was about. I just knew I just want to get away from Kokomo.
0: Right. I've, I've been in Indiana a few times. Uh, that's where my step family was from, and it's country.
1: <laughs> it's very country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I grew up in like the DC area. So I was like, what
1: right? Is this?
0: <laughs> Train tracks and cows and kids right. with BB guns? You Can't have BB exactly. guns where I'm from.
1: Exactly. So yeah. And I just I, t- I came in and I just started doing my J-O-B.
0: So slay is so important. And by the way, I'm calling the episode I Slay We Slay.
1: Oh, okay, good. Yes. That's uh that's what it is.
0: I love it. it. So is. I just want to hear each letter, what it means to you and a little story behind each one.
1: So the S stands for stay ready to be ready. Um, I I chose that specifically because of my deployment to Vietnam. That was one of the lessons that I I learned while I was there. Number one is when you have a checklist and it says to make sure you have all the items on the checklist, make sure you have those items on the checklist because you never know where you're going to go and you don't want to be unprepared right? So I was, I was a little bit unprepared when I went out there. And so I had to get my ish together and making sure that I made, made those lists. I had to make sure I stuck to the list and whatever it said, you need two of this, you need three of that. Yes, you do, right? The other thing is, um, you know, for me, preparation is, is a key for success, you know, because I think a lot of times we're waiting you know i i just stopped waiting i just started doing <laughs> i i just started doing i didn't i didn't want somebody to come tap me on the shoulder and set your time so um i started really learning more i started um developing my skills that was off a little bit that i needed they were under underdeveloped um i really took a lot of time to prep myself for the next so
0: So, yeah, you were investing in yourself, using your time wisely. And then when the opportunity presented itself, you were you were qualified. You were ready to go. I was
1: qualified and I was ready and not only ready from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint.
0: Right. Which is like a huge part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially like when you're in a place like Vietnam, you're looking for I mean, that's heavy. You're looking for these, you know, previous Americans who have passed away. You're looking for the remains. You're in a very dangerous environment you know no one can help you when you're in those like random countries with no base like bare base ops no one can help you like you're it you're it (laughs) and so if you didn't come prepared like
1: (laughs) you know my this the sergeant of course he he helped out a little bit but i was i was disappointed in myself you know because i didn't i didn't take the time to really take it seriously like the list of things that you actually need to survive in the jungle for 90 days you need to have these things they left it up to us and said hey go to the commissary fill up your trunk with all these non-perishable foods well you know i was dilly dallying around you know oh i only need that oh we're not even going to go out there because they said some people are going to stay in a hotel some people are just going to go to the site and then at night go and sleep in a hotel i thought that was me all right until i got out there and said no 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 (laughs) no
0: You're like, hey, can I have some of your green beans?
1: You're like <laughs> Exactly. I was trading crystal lights for Denny Moore's.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I, I know exactly what you're you're describing. I can picture it. Um
1: yeah. I
0: just got done with emeds. Yeah. And you know, there are some airmen who they didn't <laughs> think it was gonna be as hard as it was, like and they didn't bring like a pillow or blankets and they had like nothing. And they had to like borrow stuff because like they didn't have anything on their
1: exactly. to sleep on. And it was like,
0: <laughs> this is for real, man. Like you don't bring a pillow, bro. You ain't got a pillow.
1: Exactly. So prep yourselves.
0: <laughs> right. I love that. Stay ready to be ready. That was the S. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's roll into the L. Leadership.
1: Lead out loud. Mm.
0: That's what it stands for Lead um, out loud. I love that yeah. because oftentimes we want to retreat. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like Things
0: are scary and intimidating. And our, our reaction as a human is to escape it, to close the office door. Let me focus. Let me get my thoughts together when really you should be doing the opposite. You should be leading out loud. You should be getting after it and showing everyone. Right. That's what I took away from your book is yeah, seeing and feeling that the presence. Yes.
1: So, you know what? I had a chief that I was mesmerized by and how she would go and do the water cooler walks, you know, like go and just all the different areas and check on people and how you doing and have a little mini conversations and how she developed these relationships with individuals. And then when it was time for us to go and do X, Y, or Z, There were no back talking. Nobody was kind of floundering around. Nobody was kind of like, I don't want to do this. Everybody was like all hands on, all hands on deck, all hands in, we're doing it, right? And she taught me that that was some of the importantness of, you know, like, you got to be the one going out there. Don't shrink yourself. You know, I I think the two people just, it's like you said, it's too scary. It's too hard, all right? And they don't want people to, either not like them or you know they care about what everybody thinks about a decision that you made i mean there's a lot of that going on when it's it's not even about that it's not even about that right so i tell people all the time don't take the back seat all right it's your hands are on the wheel and you gotta you gotta get out there and you've got to do your part if you get the leadership you ask for a lot of times people ask for these things right they mm. want to get promoted, but they don't want the responsibilities to the promotion. They just want to just wear the ranks or, you know, get the titles and so forth. But it is way more than that. It is way more than that. It really is.
0: It really is. Yeah. Um, Okay. Stay ready to be ready. Lead out loud. And then we're rolling into the A.
1: Yeah. It's a sense, sense of family. A
0: sense of family. Yeah. And I love that. I love that because you you have an amazing family. And I feel like, you know, you brought a lot of those values to wherever they placed you in the Air Force. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't you know, we've met a lot of folks that don't have the greatest upbringing. So I think you bring in that stability. um, A lot of those that moral compass, that family value. You probably treated people in a way that they've never even experienced before, you know, growing up.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of airmen um, that had came from that I was, you know, um, had the privilege of leading who came from broken homes, um, who came from non-traditional nuclear families. And, um, you know, their version of family was much different than my version of family. But, you know, I took it in as, you know, everyone is a person, everyone is somebody somebody? all right? And the way that you treat people is in I remember I told this in a staff meeting. Um, and this is when I was a command chief. I told everyone that was at the staff meeting that um, you know, it's it's a Jesus like behavior. You know, you you're treating people the way that they would love to be treated and with all the kindness, all the love, all the respect, all those elements that you somehow tuck away because you don't want to put it out there, that you really have to do that because, you know, our airmen, we were losing airmen from suicides, we were losing airmen from tragic, you know, accidents, you had airmen who had debilita- debilitating diseases or debilitating situations that they were involved in, and, you know, for me, it was like, it doesn't matter. They're not, if they're not your blood, that's okay, because they're your family. Because at the end, at the end of the day, right, when we're in the war, and that's, I always used to take it to the war. I'm like, we're in the foxhole, all right? Uh, Everyone needs to know that that person's got their back, all right? Like, literally. That's kind of the brotherly, sisterly love that you need to be showing. Um, And so I just think it brings a lot more to the team it builds a team better um, in lots of different ways the safety the the morale the you know um the trust you know all that is built when you're really holding people's hand, not literally but holding people's hand and saying, You know what I got you, I got you, even if you do some of the, some of the crazy we had some airmen do some egregious things, you know, and I would go to the um what do you call that the the jail I mean, what do you call on base confinement i would go to a confinement every week and go visit airmen in the confinement cell. people were just so like why are you doing that what are you doing you know you're the command team you should you should have supervisors and first sergeants do that no i mean they they do that too i mean but for me it was saying you know what I see you. I see you. I, I, I know that you're going to probably end up going to, to jail for a long time, but that doesn't, that doesn't say that you're not a human being. You're still a human being. Right. Well, that,
0: that's beautiful. I'm so, you know, thankful that you saw it that way and you were there for people, you know, in their darkest moments, especially from like the position that you were in. Um, That's absolutely beautiful that you did that. And, you know, I've, I always heard that, like people, you know, I see you, I hear you and you don't quite know what that means until you're not seen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It feels Mm -hmm. like you're not even human Mm -hmm. when you're not seen, you're not heard. Your voice doesn't matter when, when you've been put in that scenario.
1: Yeah.
0: As a human being, it, it just stomps on your soul.
1: Yeah. It you does. know what I
0: mean?
1: It really does. You know, the military is a is an institution where initially when you come into the military, you're stripped away from your identity per se, right? Because they are trying to get everybody to get, take away some of that individualism and turn it into the team, you know? So that's why they take your civilian clothes, they give you a uniform, you know, they give you social security number that you're supposed to be remembering and, you know, that... That is like your first name (laughs) and then, you know, and then after a while they soon, you know, know your name. That's how it went for me. And uh, it was like that time was kind of like that, that time in my, in my career, where I really felt like I was invincible, invisible, you know, like nobody really noticed me. I could tuck away anywhere in the corner and nobody really care, you know? Um, And I never really liked that feeling. I never, I never liked that. So, you know, I used to make sure I knew people's names, their kids' names, you know, whatever they got going on, I would know something a little bit about it. And people were so like, how do you remember that? Well, (laughs) you know, if that, you pay attention to what you focus on. And for me, that was one of the things that I really knew that I connect very quickly with someone. If I just say, "Hey, what what happened the other day? Remember, you telling me you were going to go out and do something with your kids? How did that go?" You know, it just opens up a whole new, you know, conversation, a line of conversation. You thought that you couldn't connect to this person, and there, there you go, you started connecting.
0: Right. It starts with uh, caring, you know, caring, caring. to remember, caring to care. Right. <laughs> That's what I say about rank. I'm like, it's almost like they pay you to care more, in a way.
1: Yeah. But you, you know, know what dude? I mean? a lot of lot of lot of leaders, um, they say they care, all right? But they don't. Mm. I saw it firsthand. And in some of these meetings that I was in the higher I went, I was like, "Are you sure you said that?
0: Right. you I,
1: actually say that?
0: You see, I mean, you I, heard some alarming stuff,
1: yes. um. I don't know why you said that, you know, and at that, you know, when you're hiring leadership, you can start challenging people. I started going toe to toe to some with some folks because I was like, I don't want you saying that anymore. Right. That's not how we're going to treat people. That's not how we're going to talk to people. What you did was, was out of line.
0: <laughs> right. And if that's at the top, you know, that culture is going to The whole culture will be impacted. Oh, my
1: gosh. And that's what you chase after is, you know, getting the right culture because there are some individuals, and this is everywhere, but in, you know, in my environments that I was in, some individuals just didn't see it that way. They just saw cogs in the wheels.
0: Wow. you You know, one question I wanted to ask you while I was reading your book was there was a few times people like, this is when you were already like a chief or a command chief. Were they excluded you intentionally maybe they didn't agree with you being a chief so they found ways to make you feel less than or or some people would make you know side comments like how you're a command like how like what you know like i can't imagine being at that level have worked your whole life to get to that point only for someone to like try to discredit you in some disrespectful manner like how do you, how do you, you know, not snap on someone like that?
1: (laughs) Well, I do a lot of running, you know, and I, I lift a lot of weights. Um, (laughs) but you know, I just knew that it wasn't me and it was them. All right. And, you know, I, again, I don't know what people were going through, but for you to just blatantly tell me that I'm not going to be doing whatever I'm the most qualified medic in the whole uh, hospital or clinic. And you're telling me that I'm not going to be able to like sit in for, you know, the chief as they're leaving, even though I have a line number for chief. And then when I made chief, it was just so disgusting. It was so disgusting. You know, and I think what it was really, I say in my book, I don't really know, but I think I'm like, finding out as I clear my head a little bit more after retirement is, you know, people are fearful of people who have and own, their own personal power. I know who I am. All right. I know that I know what I'm capable of. I know what my personal power is. They were scared of it. They didn't want me to have that. I was already in their minds, taking over.
0: Like you couldn't be controlled.
1: Right. Because you were confident
0: in yourself and your values and that they didn't like that.
1: They didn't like that, you know? And, and I said, well, you know what? Again, it's not me, it's them. And I just have to keep going. I have to keep going. I made it this far so far. Um, and I know that it, it's not going to break me, okay? Because I've been through a lot of other situations where it was just as ho- horrible. But it's not going to break me. I just got to keep putting out. Doesn't mean I wasn't doing a lot of screaming and yelling and crying and and all of that. Um, but you know, I just said one one day at a time, one foot in front of the next. And when I was promoted to chief, the day that I was promoted, like literally at my promotion party, the medical group. They made this sign out of table exam paper. And they put all their signatures on this exam. It was their banner, and they were in the back of the room at the club on base, and they had like, I don't know, like hundreds of people with this big old sign in the back. And they were like, "Cheeve, you know, and they're just going going crazy you know? And I was like, and, and this is for all of y'all in the back, right. Who had me the whole time because they were really, they were helping me get through it as much as, you know, my family was because they knew, they knew, they knew it wasn't me and it was them.
0: Right. It's, Uh it's pretty unbelievable how like one person in your chain can make or break everything.
1: Absolutely. It is.
0: It's just, it's, it can be a blessing and the best, greatest thing that's ever happened, or it can be the yes. most terrifying yes. experience of your life, exactly. you know, cause your whole livelihood's on the line and in, in the hands of a madman sometimes.
1: And people just don't understand there. There's this like. There's no regard. It's almost as if, like, what, well, what? You know, I'm, I'm this, I'm it. You know, like, and I'm like, golly, how do you sleep with, <laughs> right, sleep at night?
0: So I'm in the, I'm in the same boat as you. Where I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you mm-hmm. know, when it's good, it's great. Yeah. And when it's great, I mean, you can do anything. You feel so empowered, and all the ideas yeah. are generating, and
1: that's right.
0: All the endorphins are going off, and you're unstoppable. Your team's unstoppable. But I think the real challenge is getting through like what you went through when like you're the senior leader somehow still getting like disrespected by some, you know, it's just
1: I I had, you know what? It it was really it was really hard for me to see that because I really thought when you made chief, like you get the little decoder ring and you get all the little secrets, you know, and people are right around and they're like, you know, welcome on in, da da. da, da. But then when I when I saw you know all these like they were like either jealous or like you know like oh you shouldn't have got it that should be me you know like literally I had to tell people I'm in my chapter like 26 or 27 y'all don't know what happened between 1 through 26 so like all this, like, how you wondering how I got here and this and that? I don't have to tell you how I got here. I know how I got here. All right. So I literally had a chief who was asking me like, so I don't know why, you know, why they didn't hire me. Dude, don't take that up with me. Take that up with the commander. And that's exactly what I told him. I was like, I ain't got nothing to do with that. So you you see, you see people even at that level, who are vying for it for the wrong reasons, all right? They just want to have the title. They want to have the parking space. They want to have the house. They want to have all these things that come with it. But when it comes down to it, it's really how effective of a leader you are when you get on the stage and you have to do all these different things. And it is twisting and turning and flipping and all these other things that you have to do in these positions all day, every day. So, You know, it's like, I'm glad I, my chapter 28 to 30 were as a command chief, because I had grown so much and learned so much. I needed that. And you need some seasoning. You need Mm. to, you need to marinate just a bit, you know? (laughs) So you can get up in there and you're just not, you know, you're just not there. Because people right. want to be led, and they want to be led well. And, you know, they're looking for you to, to make those hard calls and to be there to advocate on their behalf. And your beha- you're advocating on everybody's behalf, not just your behalf. Right. You know, and right. some people were advocating for themselves. I'm like, there's no E-10 out here. Can you please tell me where the E-10 is? Where is it?
0: He's like, I'm trying to be the SEAC. <laughs> I, I get out of my way. Uh. <laughs> so you know i'll tell you the scary thing about chasing something for yourself for for the ego trip for the pride because i feel like we're humans we've all been there at one point when we weren't quite sure who we were or why we're doing something we are doing it for the title at some points we're all guilty of that yeah and i'll tell you i have been guilty of that and i have made it and it doesn't end
1: Mm -mm.
0: you know what i mean when you're when you're in that mindset nothing nothing will bring you that satisfaction in the title, in the position, in the house, in the car. It will go away. It will disappear. And suddenly you'll be back to square one because you're still you. You're that's still right. you.
1: Exactly. And, you know, that's where a lot of people too are having a hard time transitioning from, you know, active duty into retired. You know, like I, I've heard people like demand people to call them by their... Re- retired retired chief master sergeant so-and-so I'm like come on please all right nobody cares nobody cares that was you when you were in the military now they're doing it out of respect if, if that's what they choose to do but for you to demand it or look for it or waiting for it or you know going in because nobody said it right or didn't get it you know I'm like so when they strip away everything strip away all your titles, you know, get down to the core. Who are you? What's your identity? All right. Exactly. You got to be more than just the chief. You got to be because it, it, you're not even acting in that role anymore. Half the time, you don't even know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many changes that happen in like, in a matter of of, you know, days sometimes. Right. I'm like, "Why well, can't even keep up the changes. You don't even know what's going on and you're demanding people to call you and have them stand up and give you all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> that's scary. And, but I'll tell you what I appreciate about your book though. When you went through the hard times, one of the takeaways I had was you leaned into the positive. You leaned into the family, to the friends, yeah. to the people that had your back. You put your yeah. energy there versus beating yourself up and letting this person draw out the ugly inside you, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I took that away, and I thought that was uh was very powerful. And then the other thing I took away was that, you know, you had other people's, like, your sense of family. Like, you had them as your driving force as to making their life better, being there for them. Mm-hmm. And that's what, in turn, made you successful, right? It wasn't... Mm-hmm. I want this stripe, I want this diamond, I want this star or whatever. You were doing it for all the people around you. And it was that love, that compassion mm-hmm. that as a byproduct,
1: right. you became
0: successful.
1: That's it. You know, I focused on people. That was my, my whole takeaway is like people get mission done, period. All right. This mission is going to continue to happen. It, things are going to happen when even when two or three airmen are out of pocket. <laughs> this stuff is just going to keep going, right? So I just looked at what do they need me to do for them as I am getting these promotions? What is it that I can do to make positive impact and positive influence to the forces? What can I leave my mark with, right? That was my whole focus every single day is, you know, sometimes I would be late for meetings and stuff like that. And they'd be like, where were you, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, I was out on the flight line with the airmen. Right. (laughs) Sorry. You're (laughs) like, where were you? (laughs) Exactly. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. I'm here now. I guess we can continue on for the meeting that's on top of a meeting that's on top of a meeting, right? So, you know, that was that kind of, that was my mentality was airmen first. All right. I will go and see them, make sure they're all right. Make sure they have what they need, and then I'll come back in here and do this business. I was rarely in my office, you know. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, because sometimes we get in the habit of talking about work more than doing it. So I, I love that. I love that you were just getting after it.
1: <laughs> Had energy. You're like I'm I done talking do. about it. Yeah, like right. I don't like. I a lot of times I just remove myself from conversations that really didn't like. Pay, you know, I knew it was going to nowhere land. Right so it's like i'm out right i'll see y'all later and are like oh where are you going i don't know <laughs> <laughs> just drop in an office somewhere sit down and talk to people i don't know
0: i love that all right so let's not forget about the why
1: yeah we got
0: one more we got one more letter in our acronym what's the why yeah,
1: you are built to last
0: dang that we talked a lot about being built to last this past Conversation here,
1: man. Oh, man! I leaned into that really big time during the pandemic. Mm. Onset of the pandemic was really a difficult time for all leaders. Any leader sitting in a seat,
0: yeah. You didn't have a. You didn't have a. You were in uncharted territory. That's always the scariest position yeah. to be in as a leader.
1: Yeah. No. 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 Handbook. You know, ain't no checklist. <laughs> there ain't no conops for pandemic, right?
0: There's just us. Public health.
1: <laughs> That's it. Y'all were. J- I mean, I don't know what the, it looked like now, but man, oh, man, we were wearing them out.
0: Oh yeah, yes. Oh, I boy. became a. I became a COVID expert. My <laughs> God, I'm still getting after it. I know COVID inside and out.
1: You Probably can smell COVID from miles I away. Can, oh, you got yeah. COVID. I can All see right. it. Like, yeah. See. <laughs> but yeah, it was just. It was just so frightening and just just difficult people were nashing, you know mashing their teeth because they couldn't do what they wanted to do we had to like hold the fence line and just
0: oh it was brutal <laughs> it, was it it was it because it had all the, the tough topics it was like part religious part yes part political part Yes. It had all the the touchy subjects, the the yes. things that trigger people, wrapped up into one virus. Yeah. So it wasn't just killing us physically; it was killing us psychologically. Yes. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, it was. I mean, it's like I got through a lot of hard things during my career. I really did, and then only to be in the seat as a command chief for, I think six months, and then all of a sudden, hello, all right shut it down people and i'm all about you know like you know having a good time and making sure we go out and do all these activities for the base that plan just crap out the window shredded. all right now we're back to everybody hunker down you know
0: right you kind of had to find a, a different set of skills right because like the ones that you were so that you basically mastered yeah you couldn't use in that environment
1: no and then you know the the, ro- the racial and social injustices those things started happening and unfolding which was just left people flat on their faces with their emotions and it was just it was a lot it was very deep conversations we were having and it was just gut-wrenching and then you go into we were the base in itself was significant mission changes i mean everything was changing a lot of you know new missions were being out there and then we had you know lots of airmen and I I told my commander I said we gonna make it we're gonna make it I I strongly believe we're gonna make it and we we just got to keep a positive mindset we just got to keep focused we we can't let things bring us down we can't have this negativity that's around us we gotta check on each other all the time making sure we eyeball to checking to see what our temperatures are <laughs> so that way we're not we're not flaring up and getting mm-hmm. out in our own ways out here and we just have to we have to stick to the plan we have to stick to our plan and we have to stick to our guns on this because we're going to make it out of here i mean because they were telling us like all these thousands of people are going to die i mean it was just like in these it's telecom meetings more. it was scary and you know i i just kind of just cleaned on to my sleigh I cleaned on to that why the whole time I was like every time I would just want to go home I was like oh my gosh I'm so tired <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore and my my husband's like get on out there because <laughs> he was retired right and he's like get on out there <laughs> you're good I was like oh
0: gosh. yeah you had to tap into all the sleigh yes every every letter every
1: aspect of that you know yes and like the lead out
0: loud was probably your hardest i feel like that'd be the hardest part right because like dang just people
1: were hating me yeah that's tough
0: to be like the the person that has to lead to lead this ship you know what i mean during covid oh the last the last thing you want to do is lead out loud
1: last thing okay because people were calling us out of our name people were telling us that we were wrong but they wanted to go out and do whatever they wanted to do all kinds of airmen were getting in trouble I mean I can't blame them because they just wanted to be out there you know young people that's where they were I mean I had to think about when I was young right I was like you know when I'm young I got life I want to be out here and then we were trying to protect them and we get phone calls all the time it was just like Oh my is,
0: God. <laughs> yes. Trust me. I'm, I'm right there. I get it. I get it. I'm public health. So I know, I know a little bit about that world. So I had three questions for you at the end here. You, you kind of already answered the first one, which was, when did you tap into your sleigh mantra the most? And it sounds like COVID, COVID was that time. So you, you see, we have this timer back again. Yes. I don't know what the heck it is. I don't either, is, but it we
1: kind got of, six minutes.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I got two more questions for you. We're going to roll into them. You passed the first one. To exit the hero's gauntlet. So, the second one is Is there any regrets or goals left unfinished from your outstanding career in the Air Force?
1: Well, they're not in my career. I think what I wanted to accomplish and what I was able to do, you know, with what I had is what I did. I'm good with that. I really am. Right now, I am coaching women military leaders, specializing in women of color, to break their glass ceilings. That's what I'm focusing my attention on because I know I needed somebody um, to mentor me more and more and more as I got into up to the senior leader positions, um, and I didn't really have that until towards the end. Now I'm reaching back and I'm helping other, other women, and I'm the outsider, so I'm like, I don't even know what's going on. I just know that leadership is leadership and that you need certain skills for self-care. You need to know who you are. And you need to squash and slay, I would say slay, your limiting beliefs. Because that's where we get into the self-doubt. Yeah, you know, we, can, we can't do it. Imposter syndrome, you know, all those different things that are out there. So that's what I'm doing now is helping them to see that. They can do it.
0: So you have no regrets because <laughs> you're you're doing it. You're you did doing it it. Your career and you're doing it now as a civilian. You're yep. there for women for women of color, for any woman who was in your shoes, I think you said it, someone told you, you're going to have to work 10 times harder.
1: That's right. So if yep. anyone
0: knows how to get after it, to slay, to break the glass ceiling, that's Rochelle Hemingway. She's done it. She had 10 times the obstacles, 10 times the barriers. And yet she is a published author, changed hundreds of people's lives and reached the 1% of the 1% as a black female who's just setting the example i'm so damn proud of you
1: thank you i
0: I really am (laughs) i'm so proud of you because after all the the trials and tribulations you still got this beautiful smile on your face you're still there for people you're still giving
1: yeah it's just unbelievable I, i will give and give until i can't give anymore that's just who i am that's in my blood my dna i think a lot of that from um my dad, my dad passed away, unfortunately in October of last year. Um, but he is definitely in my spirit, in my soul. I carry on him in every single day, but that's how, that was his spirit. He just loved people. And he knew that doing right by people was the way to live. And so, um, I have no, I, there's no, no persons or people place things that I dislike there's nothing that I just like it was all working for my good all right and I learned a lot of things I learned a lot of lessons out of that and I'm happy for that I'm happy so
0: we're blessed to have you thank you and you the last question I don't know if you can do this in three minutes we'll see
1: yeah
0: if there's a a girl out there a young airman who's just not seen and not heard and she just wants to do her four years and get out. She just wants to give up. You know, what's the first step, the first piece of advice you would give that young female airman that's trying to be like
1: you? Well, I would just say, you know what? It's, it's, it's not easy. You got to give yourself some grace. It is not easy to serve in the military period and there's, you got to accept failure. Um, because I think a lot of times, People see them failing something and they say, well, I'm going to be, I'm done. All right. You got to accept the failures and learn from lessons and find a good mentor. Find somebody who's going to literally take your hand and kind of walk you through some of the things that you're having difficulty with. All right. And even if you do four years, that's still service. That I always just tell airmen, it's not, I don't care if you do four years, six years, 12 years, whatever the number is, thank you for your service because not everybody's putting their hand in signing up for voluntary force to Definitely. come serve, right? And, um, you know, it it is it is not something that um, everyone's doing. So you got to give yourself a little bit of a break, um, but certainly find somebody who can help you um, to sort out these feelings that you have and maybe create a plan for you. So when you get to your four-year mark, you have something to fall back on when you get out. All right. And because not a lot of people make those plans, um, they wait until they're, you know, almost ready to separate and then go, Oh my gosh, I haven't done anything. So get after something now, like do something now, set yourself up.
0: Definitely preparedness, uh, discipline, yeah. all these things are, are, are in your yes. book. The discipline got me fired up. I need to be, I need that. I need to be more disciplined again. <laughs> I really do. You help me see that. Um, yeah,
1: it. I love being disciplined. I mean, I I just carried it in my whole life. I still get up early. I still exercise. I still do all those different things, and I go to bed early. So after I, we get done, guess where I'm going? That's right. <laughs> I don't yeah, care I'm going to bed because rest is needed.
0: Well, Rochelle, hey, we're going to we're gonna end it here. I got to say I loved talking to you. Loved it. You're an incredible person, an inspiration to us all, and you're still full of love and compassion and just sharing your wisdom and your care and breaking barriers and breaking glass ceilings. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today.
1: You're welcome. You keep on slaying until you can't slay no more, Josh.
0: Hell yeah. I slay, slay. we slay.
1: We slay. <laughs>
0: What's up, Herofront fam? Josh here, and I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to that episode in its entirety. I owe you a hug, and the next time I see you, let me know how many hugs I owe you, and we'll get after it. Before you turn me off, though, I want you to subscribe on YouTube to the Herofront podcast and give me a five-star rating on Facebook or Apple Podcasts. It would be much, much appreciated to get your love and support. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us on this Hero Front journey. And I will see you on the next episode. Let's get after it.